0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. Uh, uh, This Sunday, for those who can make it, we're going to be at the Fest House. You can go online and get that. We're also going to have a picnic Bring your own picnic. We can't have a regular church picnic, but bring your own picnic, basket, lunch. And we're going to have a a different kind of picnic this time. The week after that, we won't be having church on Sunday. We're going to be meeting on Saturday the 19th, 1 o'clock, Plumstead Christian. Out in the field, we're going to have a a big rally, prayer for revival, repentance for the country, for the church, the church in America. So that's all going on. Saturday the 19th. So I want to encourage everyone to make that. Don't think, oh, there's no church tonight. Please, this is in place of church and lots of different churches involved. We're going to be joining together. Can't wait for this event. So that's coming up. Uh, and then after that, the next week, we'll be back at the fests uh, for the next... Service, okay? Birthdays, couple birthdays that I know of, I know of two, Sarah and Becca. My Sarah and Becca having birthdays this week, so happy birthday to them. And also an anniversary, Sean and Monica Davis, four years. So very exciting, can't believe it's been four years. Congratulations, guys. The title for today, Helping the spiritually blind to see, Second Kings six nineteen to twenty three. We're finishing up this particular story of Elisha and the the horses and chariots of fire, and he just blinded the the army that came to attack him, capture him. So helping the spiritually blind to see, Second Kings six nineteen to twenty three. And I thought I thought of a, a, a story about blindness. Not a true blindness, but, but a funny one about, uh, well, I'll tell the story. We had an inner city ministry when I was a youth pastor in Connecticut. We actually had inherited, uh, there's a school, Christian Heritage School, that had a ministry. They would send a van down, pick up some kids, bring them back every week, but they weren't able to keep that going, so they asked if we'd partner with them. And it, the church was right across the road from the school. We had a gym. And lot lots of kids in the youth group and parents that would like to do ministry and so they asked if we would partner with them and really take what they meant is take it over so uh, I connected with another friend of mine Dan McCandless who was a youth pastor at another church and uh, and then we connected with we kept Our connection with CHS, the school, and then Calvary Evangelical Free Church, which where I was, and then my wife Kim, and it's kind of like Dan, Kim, and I, and pulled all this together with CHS and his, Dan's church, and um, our church. And I'm trying to remember his name of his church. I know it was something Baptist, but uh, sorry, Dan, I can't remember the name of that original church. But it's been too long. So we have this ministry, this van. We sent it down, but a lot of kids wanted to get in the van. So the next time we sent two vans and a lot of kids wanted to get in the van. This is before there was permission slips or anything like that. And even if we had those, it wouldn't have mattered where we were going. We went down into the inner city. It was called Father Panic Village, named after a priest, Father Panic and uh the, but panic is was a good word for it, it was it was a project it was a really really rough area in fact uh we did this ministry for 4 years and a short time later they actually bulldozed the the entire village it was such a violent crime ridden place and but we there was a lot of kids there and we were reaching out to them and uh next thing you knew the three vans were full so we started using our van we had this old greyhound bus it had like literally had like a million miles on it we started taking that bus and that would fill we just pull up kids would just pile in they say C- can i come i say well go ask your mother she goes i don't know where my mother is I go, okay and they, they just pile i mean kids were just piling in it was crazy so pretty soon we had the bus Probably 70 kids in this bus jammed in. There were no rules back then. Then three vans piled full. We were bringing a lot of kids back to the church. It was crazy. And <clears throat> the ride there and back again, was about a you 15-minute know, ride from where we were. We were on, right on the edge. We were in Trumbull, Connecticut. We drove into Bridgeport, which was right over. We were right on the border. <clears throat> and... It that ride was tricky. Now, once we got back to the gym, it was easy. We had lots of volunteers and everybody was there and it was a great time. But on the bus, it really was just uh, there was a couple people people would ride with us, but it really came down to the senior pastor, Dave McIntyre and myself. And Dave drove, he was a former youth pastor, and the senior pastor. He would drive, and I would had the microphone. There was actually a microphone in this bus. And he would drive, and I would use the mic, and, and he was like the enforcer. He was tall and had a deep voice, and, and, uh, and also t- knew some good songs. I liked to eat apples and bananas. That was one of the favorites. And then the rest of the time, I would do games and songs and competitions and trivia and all kinds of stuff. I had this whole routine down. We had this whole routine down. Uh, and this bus ride though was a challenge because it was just the two of us. You talk, you talk about riots going on. This, every, every bus ride was a potential ride. It was crazy. Like, the kids would just get just like so wound up and, and they got on there. And now, Pastor Dave is in heaven now, but he earned his wings on this bus ride each week. He was a calming force. Like I said, he was the enforcer and he was funny with the songs. But one week, Dave couldn't drive home. He helped me pick the kids up, but he couldn't drive home. So I got one of my other youth leaders, Brian, to drive. And But the kids knew there was a disturbance in the force. <laughs> Dave wasn't there. Pastor Dave wasn't there. And they were extra rammy. And I knew I had to find, because no kidding, it could get out of hand very quickly. I'll even tell a story at the end of the sermon about that. It could get out of hand very quickly in this ministry, where these kids lived, on the bus ride, at the church. It could get really out of hand very, very quickly. It was... It was wild. And one time he couldn't drive home, so I got Brian to do it. But the kids knew there was a disturbance in the force, no Pastor Dave. So they they were extra rammy. And I knew I had to find an edge. I had to find an angle that would get them under control because there was not the same routine, right? And And they were, uh, you know, it was like bubbling up. You could feel it. So I introduced Brian, the bus driver. And I said, you're gonna have to help him out because he's never driven a bus before. He's never driven a bus before. And that did had no effect. The kids were, I was crazy. The, The vans are lined up behind us. Brian's driving the bus. And, and they had no effect by saying he never drove before. They didn't care. And I said, and he's blind. Now, he had these dark sunglasses. That's why I thought of it. He has these really dark sunglasses on. He's blind. And all the kids all yell, no, he's not. And I got my mic. Yes, he is. This is how I always, you know, had this, the whole shtick going all the time, right? No, he's not. Yes, he is, you know. And and then one of the little kids, I'll never forget his name, was Sammy. Sammy Prophet. I don't know where he is, but he was the funniest kid. I would love to to see him today and talk to him today. But he was one of the funniest kids. And he said, then he can't drive. I said, yes, he is blind. He goes, then he can't drive. And I said, why not? And they all, the kids together, yelled, because he's blind. They all shouted together. It was crazy. <clears throat> oh. I had an inspiration. I said into my mic, I go, that's discrimination. Oh, 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 now I had them. You'll hear why. These kids, they these kids, now I'm speaking their language. They love, I love these kids, they love me, but they love to work me over with this, the, to manipulate me with this, that's discrimination. These kids beat me up with it every week, you know. They really work me. If, if we give out these cookies for the, for like, for the snack time and they would only get two cookies. I want three. I'm sorry, we only enough for two. That's discrimination. They'd be right after me. Uh, you know, and they were half kidding, but they were half serious too. And if they were punching their little brother or sister, and I came by and said, hey, stop that. And I grabbed an around, don't you hit your little sister or little brother? That's discrimination. They would constantly work me over. So when I anything, they used this on me. So when I said that's discrimination, I knew. I knew I had them and I had a chance for an easier ride. So they all were kinda of like scratching their head thinking about this. And so I said, Okay now So I grabbed the chance and okay now here goes Brian, he's gonna drive, so tell him where to go. Uh and I would point and they all say, Right and he turned right and he's laughing. He's I'm I'm like I'm standing kinda of, like next to him and he's laughing. And then I go left! They all yell, left! I go, straight! They're all straight. They're all telling him where to go. It was really funny, but they still didn't quite believe it. It was still getting pretty rammy there, and then it happened. The miracle happened. Still, everything was on edge on that bus, and I'm sure in the vans behind us, too, always on edge, but he Ryan pulls up to pull out of the church parking lot, and there was a hill coming down right where the the entrance was and normally if you have a car you pull it quick you know and you can get out but sometimes people would fly over that hill but you have a car you jet out quick it wasn't a problem but the bus was slow I had to come out slowly and you're just a little nervous about what's coming over that hill and i'll never forget he starts to pull out and a car was speeding some teenagers i mean i'm flying over that hill and we were gonna get hit brian jams on the brakes This car skidded around us, missed us, barely missed us, skidded around us, jams on the brakes. All the kids went flying because most, half of them were standing up. This was 30, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Half of them were standing up. They all went flying. They were shocked. I'll never, I'll never forget the look of terror on their face. And, and I did it. I said, see, I told you he's blind. Well, they sat (laughs) down. They were quiet. Nobody said a word. They were just like terrified, looking out, looking around. Who's gonna hit? Up, run into us, right? You know, it was it was so funny. Now it's funny because he wasn't really blind. But blindness is not funny. If you re- really are blind, it's not funny. Without my glasses, I'm legally blind. Uh, I, I have a, a little bit of sense of that. But we're gonna see a story today of people who really were blind. But there's a happy ending, a happy ending. Now remember, last time we saw that Elisha blinded the army. First of all, he prayed for his servant to see, and the servant could see the horses and chariots of fire, the angelic army all around them. Then he prayed that the enemy army would be blinded. They were blinded. And we saw how that was a picture of their spiritual condition. They already were spiritually blind, and we talked about how we're seeing the same thing in the USA today. We have so much spiritual blindness in every one of us is spiritually blind before we put our faith in Jesus Christ. If you didn't hear the last couple, make sure you go back listen to those. But today, we're going to see how God, through Elisha's prayer, gives these same blind soldiers sight. And it's a vital lesson for every one of us how to reach the blind all around us, how to bring their healing and bring sight to the, the spiritually blind all around us. So we're going to look at that today. <clears throat> okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us sight into your word. Lord, I pray that every one of us would see what you want us to see from this passage and that it would change our life. And if anybody is hearing this or watching this who has never put their faith in you, doesn't have spiritual sight, that this very moment in this next Half an hour that they would put their faith in you and receive their sight and receive salvation and, and have real life in Jesus Christ. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's pick it up here. 2 Kings 6 19, where it says, Elisha told them, <clears throat> This is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. <laughs> Woo. When the king of Israel saw him, he said, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Brave man behind the walls. Finally, the enemy comes to me. He wants to kill him, right? He wasn't out fighting him. Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. So first Elisha prays for them to be blinded, which which exposed their true condition, and now he prays for them to have sight. To open for God to open their eyes. And then after that, He spares their life, gives them food to eat and, and, and something to drink. And the result is they stopped attacking Israel. <clears throat> Some powerful spiritual lessons for the Christians, for Christians all over the world, but especially for Christians who live in the USA today. We too are under spiritual attack. We are surrounded by blind hostiles. Spiritually blind hostility all around us. And we see today the keys for reaching the spiritually blind, the keys for helping the spiritually blind to see spiritual truth. We see the key to helping the spiritually blind see spiritual truth. And a couple of keys. The first one is right here from this passage, show them the way, how to get to our king, how to get their spiritual sight back. Elisha takes them to Israel's king. We must lead them to our king, King Jesus, right? King Jesus. And we must, we must lead them. We must speak the truth in love. Very important. Ephesians 4, 14 says this. 14 and 15. Paul writes, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful schemings. Connect the dots to what's happening to so many today. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Both are vital. We have to speak the truth in love. A lot of Christians... Just it's all love, but there's no truth. Other ones, it's all truth and there's no love. They both have to go together. You we 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 have to speak the truth, but it has to be in love. Very, very important. And look what Elisha says to them. He says, This is not the way. They were looking, they were looking to trap him, and then go get the king of Israel. He says, This is not the way. We have to say the same thing in love. This is not the way. This is not the way. What we're seeing today, the riots. And the protesting with hate, it's not effective. It does the opposite. It is doing the opposite. It's causing worse racism and worse division. And the same is true for the counter protest. It's not just the, uh, the, 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 the first protest, but the counter protest. If, if we show up with guns and anger, it's just going to create more hate. It's not going to solve anything. It's what we're seeing. We're seeing people shooting each other and killing each other. It's coming. And Christians, we can't be part of either of those protests. The first, Angry, writing, uh, hateful protests, or the counter process. We as Christians cannot do that. Martin Luther King, Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. A, a tremendous quote. Uh, here's his picture right here. Hopefully, showing the picture here. Martin Luther King Jr. Listen to his quote on this. He says, "Returning hate for hate multiplies hate." You get that? Do the math. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Here he goes. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Martin Luther King Jr. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. This is not the way. Elisha says them and we have to tell the people the same thing. This is not the way. We must lead everybody, both black and white, both black and white people filled with hate, both black and white people filled with anger, both, both sides. We have to lead them all to Jesus Christ to our King Jesus, who can open their eyes. And we must do it speaking the truth in love. We have to speak the truth in love. We have to realize why they're blind. We have to do it with love and truth because we have to realize why they're blind. They're blinded by hate. They're blinded by hurt. They're blinded by bitterness. And I'm talking about black and white both are blinded by the same way. Like Martin Luther King Jr., we have to lead them to Jesus Christ. Only his love can melt that anger. Only his love can heal the heart. Heal the heart. But it's still vital to speak the truth in love. Don't join the blind march. Don't give in to the peer pressure on either side. Don't give in to the peer pressure. Don't fall for the deception. The ends don't justify the means. Yeah. Don't fall for the deception. Hold fast to the truth, and speak the truth in love. Very, very important. So the first thing we saw, uh, the first issue is, is 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 show them the way how to get to the king, get their spiritual sight. The second thing Elisha does. Is he prays for the blind. The second thing we need to do is pray for the blind, just like Elisha did. And it resulted in their healing and their sight. Healing and their sight. Remember, we have to be praying for these people. It, 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 this is those who don't know Christ and we see the result, the, the fruit in their life. This We have to remember this is a spiritual battle. We must fight with spiritual weapons. 2 Corinthians ten three to 5 We have to fight with spiritual weapons. When we pray for someone, when we pray for someone, that's a spiritual weapon. And when we pray for someone, an interesting thing happens. It changes our hearts too. It keeps our hearts soft to them. We start to see them the way that God sees them and sees us the same way. It, it, something happens when we pray for them. That's why Jesus says in Matthew five forty four and 45, when Jesus says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why did he have to say that? Is there any harder command in the Bible? (laughs) Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, that you may be sons, that you may show yourselves to be sons of your Father in heaven, that you may show that you are children of God, because only a child of God could do this. When we have to pray for them, which uh, pray for them, and also that brings us to the third one. He says, Love your enemies. 5.44, I'm going to say it again. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's not just praying, but there has to be love for them also to love our enemies. So we talked about bringing the Jesus, pray for them, and then love them. Show them Show the love of Jesus to them. Show it to them. It's no accident that Elisha fed and gave, and gave water to the enemy soldiers. He gave them water to drink and probably wine. Who knows what he gave them uh, at that time? What were they, or whatever they were drinking? He gave them something to drink and food to eat. Uh, this, this comes right from Proverbs 25, 21 and 2. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, Give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Right there. And then Paul, the apostle Paul builds on this in Romans, in Romans 12, in Romans 12 verse 20 and 21. He says this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. Woo! He connects the dots to overcoming evil with good. Don't be overcome by evil, by the hate, by the bitterness, by the persecution. But overcome evil with good. Do you really want to get someone good? Do you really want to get your enemy? Really, really get him good. Be nice to him. (laughs) That will really burn him up. (laughs) That's what Paul. That's what Solomon said, and that's what Paul is saying. And and most important, don't by doing that, we will not be overcome by the evil, but we'll overcome evil with good. That's the only chance the blind have is if they see the love of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what happened with Elisha. Exactly what happened with Elisha. Back to the story in Elisha uh, with 2 Kings 6, verse 22. Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master so the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Amazing. What would have... He was fulfilling Proverbs and Romans there. Feeding your enemy and giving something to drink, loving your enemy, fulfilling that. And and look what happened. What would happen if if he had if Elisha said, Yeah, go ahead and kill him and they killed him, what would have happened? King of Aram would have sent more soldiers, would have escalated what was happening, the the the, the war, right? But Elisha's kindness resulted in a change. They stopped raiding Israel. They stopped raiding. They stopped sending bands. They stopped sending soldiers. Imagine the confusion. The king with his war cabinet. The king of the Arameans with his war cabinet. How did he blind you? Where did he take you? They did what? They gave you what to eat and what to drink? A feast? Are you kidding me? Why? What is going on? I don't understand this. And you can imagine Naaman, who was part of the war cabinet, remember? And the soldiers all there giving the report to the king. You can imagine what they, Naaman and the soldiers. Well, this Elisha is a pretty good guy. Elisha, my God is salvation. A picture of the apostles, a picture of us, the followers of Jesus Christ, a type of us. Look how they treated their enemies. And you can imagine I'm saying, this Elisha is a pretty good guy. Let's stop picking on him. Let's stop picking on him. I, I know with New Hope Community Church, when we first started, we had lots of attacks. People were fearful. Upset with our message of Jesus Christ that he could transform anybody. Uh, especially the, the homosexual community was very upset. As large homosexual community here. They were very upset. They were attacking. They were coming in. We had policemen in the services for three months. They were trying to disrupt the services. But we just kept responding by God's grace and by the Holy Spirit's power. Responding in love. We got involved in the AIDS walk. They were shocked. They didn't know why we were at the AIDS walk. We ended up becoming one of the main pieces, founding, foundational pieces of the AIDS walk for the next 10 years. and Maybe four, I think it was 14 or 15 years we ended up doing it. Uh, it was an, an amazing experience. They were shocked, but they were so touched that we cared. We, we got involved with the AIDS house. Uh, most of the people at the AIDS house at that time were coming to our church. They were getting saved, getting baptized. Some of them are still, uh, at least one is still part of our church, growing strong. Uh, it, and I, I remember when we did this, they were just so touched and they, 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 Sense the love of Christ, and the saying on the streets: "Where this is a real church, this is a real church." And one of my friends, new friends, was in one of the gay bars, and he's talking about the big argument going on back and forth. And you know, and he said he and his buddies were defending us, saying, "Leave them alone! Leave them alone! This is a real church. Stop picking on this church. Why are you causing all this trouble for them?" You know, they're coming all kinds of attacks on TV and newspapers. It was crazy, and and they and and I'll never forget what they said. It was very touching. They said, they said to me, we know you don't agree with everything we believe. We don't believe everything the same, but we know that you care about us. And we did. And we do. And that was the turning point. That was a turning point. We, I never, I kept speaking the truth in love to every, every, guy, every person I talked to. I spoke the truth about Jesus Christ and about transforming their lives. Oh, I never stopped I've never stopped that. I kept speaking the truth in love, but they knew it was in love and they were able to uh, so some were saved and accepted Christ, but, but, uh, a good number in our church have been transformed over the years. A lot of people don't even know it. I'm, I know it. I know their stories. A lot of people, I would, you know, a lot of people do. Someone got share and the testimony. But a lot of people in our church don't even know that people have come out of different, this, this life. In many different lives, not just this one. A lot of adultery and heterosexual sin and premarital sex and, uh, divorces and remarriages and uh, all kinds of sexual, you know, pornography, uh, uh, pedophilia out of any kind of imaginable sexual sin we've had so many come out of be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ that's what some of you were but you were washed sanctified justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God that's been our 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 belief and our theme and seen the amazing changes but but it it just was you know it just that, that was the turning point When these folks saw the love of Jesus Christ, I speak the truth in love. They saw that I was speaking truth, the Bible, in love, and that made all the difference. We showed them love. How is God speaking to us? How is he speaking to us? The church. The church. We are called to bring sight to the spiritually blind. That's the job of the church in the USA today. It's why the, the culture is still so blind. We're not doing our job. We become blinded ourselves in many ways. We're being conformed. Are, are we, we're called to bring sight to the spiritually blind. Are we showing our culture? Are we showing our friends and neighbors? Are we showing our family? Are we showing them the way to Jesus? Are we showing our country the way to Jesus? Are we speaking the truth in Love. Are we doing that? No matter what happens because of that, are we doing that? I saw a great example of somebody who is doing this. Uh, it was a, a man, uh, let's see, what was his name? This, this guy shows up, uh, let's see. Sam Bathia. Sam Bathia, he shows up, the, the Republican National Convention was held in Charlotte, and he showed up, a black man, with a sign, Jesus saves. Jesus Saves. And this was not, he didn't show up for a political reason. He wasn't for them or against anybody. He just knew there would be a crowd. And whenever there was a group of people showing up in Charlotte, he always zooms right to it to share Jesus Christ. He speaks the truth in love. Jesus saves. But while he was doing this, you can follow it. And In fact, uh, I'll show you the pictures right here. The pictures will be up here, a couple of pictures of Sam. The, the protesters, the social justice protesters, both black and white, both black and white started gathering around and abusing him and started chanting, F your Jesus, F your Jesus. These are the peaceful protesters. That's called a hate, hate crime. That's called intolerance, right? But, but F your Jesus, F your Jesus. And, and he, it says here, they threw everything imaginable. Look at the pictures of this guy just covered with anything imaginable. It says, Sam Bathea <clears throat> had been preaching in the open air for the past six years and has attended various demonstrations. Anytime there's a crowd, he shows up with Jesus saves witnessing. He had, he had previously had a lengthy criminal history. He was arrested 29 times before he became a Christian. He... Uh, now he wants to share the good news of salvation with the world after Christ saved them. He said, I, I do it because God called me to the streets to share Jesus. He all, he, he was covered. You can see that picture. He's just covered with everything imaginable. But, but this is what he said. He says he will simply wash his clothes and hat and continue preaching the gospel as he's done before. Just going to wash off and keep on doing it. He said, the Lord saved me from that street life. And I'm so grateful. That's what he called me to do. And he said, I'm going to come back to the street and tell the real story. I'm just going to keep wiping it off and keep on speaking the truth in love. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly what we are called to do. Nobody, Even if they're saying... Bad things about our Jesus. We keep speaking the truth in love. No matter what these social justice uh, people were doing, black and white, to this poor, this this courageous black man who holds a sign, "Jesus saves." Are we? Do we have that same courage and that same dedication to speak the truth in love? Are we praying for these people? Are we praying for the people attacking us? Are we praying for our? family and friends, and even the people persecuting us who have been blinded by Satan's lies. These people are chanting this. This is a spiritual battle. They are blinded by Satan's lies. That's what we're seeing. This is a spiritual battle. This is not a political battle. This is not a social justice battle. We are in a spiritual battle. Well, look what they chanted about Jesus that shows us we are in a spiritual battle. Even Christians are being blinded. I'm seeing it left and right. Even people who claim to be Christians are being blinded and conforming and going along with it all. It's sad. But are we also praying for them and loving them with the love of Jesus Christ? It's only the love of Jesus Christ that can, that you know, leading them to Jesus, praying for them, and loving them. That's the only way to break through. Martin Luther King Jr., only love breaks Hate is the only way. Intermission. Bus. One time we were on a bus and, and a riot broke out on the bus. And now, remember, there's like 70 kids on this bus, jam-packed, and it's always on the edge. And these kids have been through so much. They had been through so much. They... they They had, they lived in a, such a tough culture. They, kids would share with me what they went through. They have to watch out for the needles while they walk up to their house. They, they're hunted like animals by these gangs. They, they're in fear and anger. You know, they, they weren't, they weren't mad at the police, these guys. You know who they were mad at? They were mad at the gangs. They were afraid of them. They weren't afraid of the police. They were afraid of the gangs. They would be hunted. They would have to get off the school bus, they would tell me, and just sprint for the house hoping nobody got them before they got there. They were just lived in fear. And they said as a result, one young man was telling me, as a result, he had this intense rage building up, just ready to blow up any time, and it did. It would just blow up because of the Fear of that culture that he lived in, and and these kids were wound tight. And I'll never forget one time, one of the kids did something in the bus. So one of my helpers, who was an older teenager, and you know, said, "Hey, please sit down. Don't do that. Don't hit that person." And this kid erupted. Then the other kids started erupting, and it turned to right. They started punching my my helper and screaming and cursing, and it was it was like we had a powder keg on that bus. It was going to blow up. And, I, and I'll never forget the one girl who was just. Flipping out and there was a, a, you know, she was just freaking. It was, it was so sad. And I, and I knew where it was coming from. I knew what she had been through and all that had happened to her. And mostly, a lot of these kids had been abused physically, sexually. It was sad story after sad story. And I'll never forget, I just went up and it was like this the raging inferno ready to explode. And I just remember hugging these kids. I just walked up and, and I, the two main ones, I just, I just remember hugging them. And they knew I loved them. And I knew they loved me. We did this ministry for years. I knew them well. And I I just hugged them and I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I'll never forget, they just like melted. They just like calmed down. It just all calmed down. But it took that love, that hug, that that reassurance that we love them, that I love them, it took that to diffuse it. That's what it takes. It, it, it's gonna, it, 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 it was the love of Jesus Christ. That's what will break through. And maybe you are that person. Maybe you are afraid. Maybe you are angry, not because you grew up in inner city or something, but maybe you're just afraid or angry. Or you realize that you're still blind spiritually blind spiritually, but you can have a new life today. You can be transformed, just like this street preacher, Sam Bathia. You can be transformed, saved by Jesus Christ. John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You can have that life now. By putting your faith in Jesus. We're going to pray. And and after the prayer, uh, hang on because I have an exclamation point. Josh and Mikey are going to share something at the end about impacting our area. Just a couple minutes at the end. So hang on. But I just want to pray first and then I'll let them do an exclamation point at the end. Okay? How is God speaking to you? Maybe you realize that you are spiritually blind. That you don't know God, that your life is a life of fear and anger and shame, self-destruction. That you're in a prison just like Sam was, was in prison from all those arrests. You're in a spiritual prison that only Jesus can set you free. Only Jesus can forgive your mistakes, your sins, your old life, wash it away. And give you a brand new life. A life with purpose. A life with peace. A life with joy. A life with God now and forever. His Father now and forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can put your faith in Jesus right now. To believe means to put your faith and your trust in your complete dependence on Jesus. He he died on that cross in our place. He came back from the dead to prove he was the son of God and to show he could give us a new life, a resurrected life, just like this man, Sam You can have that same new life, no matter what you came from, where you came from. You can have that new life by putting your faith in Jesus. Will you do that now? God, please Forgive my sin. I repent all the times I've broken your law, way more than 29 times. I, I, all the times I broke your law, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I believe Jesus died for me on that cross. He took my punishment. And I believe He rose from the dead after three days for me. To give me a new life. I put my faith in him. I give my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith. If you have given your life to God. If you have put your faith in his son Jesus. You are a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You are a brand new person with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You will never be the same. I want to encourage you to tell somebody so we can be excited and so we can encourage you and and help you grow. Tell somebody. You have a family member or a friend who's a Christian or a good church locally, a strong Bible-believing gospel-preaching church, or email me. I'll get you connected nhcc at comcast.net. I'll be excited for you and I'll help you connect and keep growing. Let somebody know. And for those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Who is He calling us to bring to Jesus? To our King Jesus? Who is He calling us to pray for? To show the love of Jesus Christ to? To speak the truth in love? Who is He calling? And it may be a scary, scary person, but are we willing to say, God, Help me. Use me. I'm willing to be used to speak the truth in love, to help the blind to see. Father, I pray that for each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. And just as an exclamation point, uh, Josh and Mikey are going to just share a few moments. They, they've they been involved with Chuck Harrison. Chuck Harrison has a ministry called Streetlight Ministry out in the streets, all over the place, lots of places, the Shore and New Hope and Princeton, college campuses. He's been doing this for decades. And and uh, and recently, a couple he's been inviting everybody to go with him for decades. Recently, uh, a couple of my sons, Josh and Mikey, have been going with him, and and uh, they want to encourage you to also make this impact, whether you help go with Chuck and Streetlight, or whether you go wherever you are, or whether you find a whole other way to reach people, to, to speak the truth and love, but I'm just going to let them end with a little couple words of encouragement, okay?